Welcome back to Pin Pals, the podcast about enamel pins. The podcast that interviews enamel pin makers. The podcast that gives you the insight you need to know to survive in the pin game. Yes, that is correct. Survive in the pin game. I am your host, Eric, from Warrior Pins, and thank you for tuning in. Oh, boy. These intros. Oh, boy. I'm sorry about that one. Uh, <laughs> shout out to my Buy Me A Coffee supporters for continuing to do their thing. Your support doesn't go unnoticed. Thank you, thank you, thank you. I also want to mention that we hit 20 five-star ratings on Apple Podcasts. So... If you're one of those 20 people, pat yourself on the back. Thank you. Very much appreciated. Uh, next time our paths cross, I'm definitely buying you a coffee or giving you the pin on my hat or maybe just a high five because these are trying times and prices are for stuff. They're going up. This is crazy. Um, today's episode features Noise Pins. You heard it correctly. One of the OG's Noise Pins. He's been around for a minute. Noise Pins is based out of New York and it's run by my buddy Artem. Uh, they specialize in making fun, pop culture-inspired pins. If you collect pins from The Office or maybe It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia, then there's a really good chance that you've seen Artem's pins either through Google searches, on Instagram, definitely on Etsy. Um, this episode is a lengthy one. However, when I put up a poll on Instagram asking if you guys prefer single episodes or two-parters, a majority of you said single episodes, so here we are. Uh, Artem and I get into the usual, you know, pin origin stories, marketing strategies and tips, vending at shows, yada, yada, yada. But some new topics, uh, we talk about NFTs and what that might look like for pin makers in the future. We talk about Pinlord, who is one of the big Instagram accounts when it comes to pins and his book, Pin Game Strong. Uh, we talk about what life is like as a pin maker and we wrap it up with some fun, rapid-fire, miscellaneous questions. Uh, a quick heads-up, I want to apologize to all of our audio listeners because this is a pretty visual episode. Um, Artem and I are just often holding up pins in front of the screen, so if you're listening, I apologize. But if you're really curious, you can pop on over to our YouTube page. Just search for Pin Pals Podcast on YouTube, and we should show up, and you can go ahead and see you know, what we're talking about. Without further ado, here is my conversation with my pen pal, Noise Pins. Noise. You know I had to sneak that in there. All right, let's get into it. Welcome to Pin Pals, Artem. How's it going, my friend? It's uh, been good. It's a little humid here in New York, but uh, thank God for ACs. Let's talk pins. Um... Let's let's just have you introduce yourself, Artem. Who are you? And uh, tell the listeners about Noise Pins. So my name is Artem, and I run Noise Pins. Uh, I started in 2017 because I collected so many Funko Pops. It started to be out of control and annoying because these boxes that just keep adding up and take up like so much space. So I was thinking like, <laughs> what can I collect that wouldn't really take up as much space? And I remember like seeing pins at this cool um, shop on Staten Island called Richmond Hood Co. And they have like lots of Wu-Tang stuff, very Staten Island. And I bought some pins there and that's when I started to collect. And um, eventually I had the idea of like, how do you make pins? So I talked to 
this artist who made pins that were he was selling them at Richmond Hood Co. Mm-hmm. And that happened to be Jeff Cinco. And he was like oh, a local snap. And he gave me the rundown and told me all about like the manufacturers, the types of metals, the types of pins you could make. And I then decided to make three pins to start off. And it was like all like self-funded. And okay. uh, the, the first three pins were of Terminator 2. So Arnold Schwarzenegger smiling a Chris Farley Tommy Boy pin, and a Stanley Nickel from The Office. Yes, love that pin. And they were all um, soft enamel. I always, I usually just prefer soft enamel. I like the challenge of designing something that has to abide by the lines of the metal. Because mm-hmm. in hard enamel, you can do pretty much anything. Yeah. soft enamel it has to be very specific with the lines and where the yep. inks go and um yeah i mainly made the terminator one because it wasn't made and it was something i wanted to like wear on my hat and my backpack and I'm like how how's this not made i'm like okay so i hired a local artist and she helped me design it and Four weeks later, after I sent that design to the manufacturer, I got my pins. Oh. The pin fell off my hat. Yeah. <laughs> um, and the Stanley Nickel uh, I made because that also wasn't made. I'm like, how is this not a thing yet? So I quickly jumped on that and had it designed. And I think I'm up to the fourth and last version of the pin right now. And wow. after that, there's no more. I think I've sold like 400 Stanley Nichols or so. When you say fourth version, are you talking like four different molds or are you just messing around with the one mold and doing like different metals or different finishes? So it would be three versions technically because the type of metal I used uh, for the first version was nickel Mm -hmm. and the second one was like a die cast. And then I got them to like really up it up, like really make them look more like coins. Nice. And, uh, this is the one that just got sold out. This is uh, 1.25 inches. Noise. Yeah. That is cool. It looks like a token right out of a game board. Yeah. And I'm like, finally, I got to look exactly how I wanted to. I'm just like, I love the office. Yeah, I figure why not, you know, stick with the office. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I started off with free and they were all self-funded. I quickly learned like if, if you do want to do collaborations, you got to be prepared to deal with people who are, they want to get into it, but then they don't want to put the money up. They're not as committed to like the pin game. So whenever I had a design that I know I wanted and I want to get it made, I would like fund them. Mm -hmm. And I would always make about a hundred pins of each design, knowing if I sold about 25 or so, I would be in the profit after that. Okay. That's pretty smart. Oh, so wow. This sounds like it just kind of, uh, you know, wanting to collect something, seeing the pins and then making them, it just, I feel like it kind of just spiraled. Um, you just kind of got like sucked into the world of pins. Is that pretty much the case? 
yeah pretty much i i didn't know like how like interesting and big the community was Mm -hmm. when i first started i just like oh like yeah this person makes pins and then my other friends make pins because they also one friend makes t-shirts canvas bags and others uh prints uh art designs and whatnot and they have pins i'm like i should look into this it's been like a cool little like side hustle yeah and um i feel like if i was one year earlier into it it would have gained more momentum it's just like there was a certain point where everyone started making pins and then everyone has the same designs and then i don't want to make these designs because it's like overdone to Mm -hmm. like Oblivion, like when when the Bernie Sanders meme became a thing, like within hours, I got a message from my friend, like, "Oh, you should make this one pin right away." I'm like, <laughs> I'm like too late, because people already sent their emails and whatnot like hours ago. Yeah, I know. Like, it is crazy. The Baby Yoda stuff, like, yeah, that took off like instantly. But I gotta say, some people do have. Uh, like I like their art style, so it's like worth buying their pin of like the popular thing. For sure, yeah. There's definitely a lot of the same, essentially the same idea out there. Maybe it's done differently. Maybe the colors are different, but that is pretty common. I would say in almost every like pin fandom, I think there's you know, even you could even go broader and 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 do like or I'm scar- I'm sorry get more granular and just say like you know any 90s vintage nostalgic pins there's probably going to be that on like a popsicle and it's melting yeah. or something like that like I've seen that like time and time again and power to you for like you know doing that. I'm not knocking you know designing this cuz everyone puts kind of like their own little twist to it um so it's theirs and it's kind of like unique to their brand but it can be pretty. It can be pretty uh, rough when you have ideas and you and you see it out there. But luckily, you lucked out, and uh, you know the pins that you wanted to release. You didn't see any of them out there, so that was kind of cool. Yeah. So I I've been trying to. That's what I usually think about when I make my pins, because when I look for pins to buy, it's usually like, like movie culture stuff, or it's like too. It's so specific. Mm-hmm. I need to have it. Like and- I found, um, I, f- I forgot the. I think the artist's name is Ryan Tobin, I believe, something like that. And he made the this hard enamel pin of Sylvester Stallone as the Terminator, which is from the movie Last Action Hero, and that's like extremely obscure. And I'm like, I need this, and I'm glad someone already made it. So then I. I don't have to make it, so I'll just buy it. <laughs> yeah, that that's the cool thing about pins. It, it's just it captures these like little moments. And if you know, you know, and it's just like, oh, man, that's really cool. And it opens up a door, so to speak, to like talk to other people. Just, oh, where'd you get that? Oh, that's that's cool. That's like my favorite movie or that was my mom's favorite movie. It's so many cool things. So that's uh, that's pretty neat. Yeah. And it's pretty interesting seeing the like what pins are like trending like what's like a big thing in pins like office stuff is like been going up way more and more Mm -hmm. uh simpsons has i think like has always been a big thing in the pin community always always 
like the amount of pins I've seen of the Simpsons that just Jeff Sinkle collects is crazy. <laughs> and he also makes like some cool ones too now. Yeah. I, I was like lucky enough to make my own. It's already sold out. It was, I think one of the first pins I sold out and I decided like, that's it. No more of them. I made Blanders. Um, Christ is watching. <laughs> nice. Then eventually down the line, I made a Poochie pin with a transparent card. Oh, that looks extremely inappropriate. Yeah, it's censored. It's so good. <laughs> oh, that's pretty cool. Uh, that's yeah, interesting. Yeah, so I copied and made the the film cell that he like disappears. Yeah, that's pretty show. cool. Creative noise. Yeah, I, it's that. also cool like seeing the different types of pins people make because people can add hinges, uh, springs. Now some are like glow in the dark and change colors. I have a Chris Farley Chippendales pin that uh, had a spring on it. So it looks like he's like dancing. There you go. Yeah, there it goes. Ah, That's a cool kind of like a little truffle shuffle feature. Yeah. <laughs> um, actually, this is one of the pins that I've seen bootlegs of. Oh, yeah? Yeah. You know about the bootlegs? that happened with the pin manufacturers no okay well i mean i bet you there are a ton of stories um but but tell me this say you make a pin design with a certain manufacturer sometimes they take that mold and they make it on their own and just sell it through random shops on ebay and etsy and just keep selling it okay and they're yes. out there in the world yes okay i've heard of this this stuff like this all right go on yeah like jeff's jeff told me about this and i'm like that's crazy and then eventually i find my own pins on ebay and etsy i'm like what the hell and then when you try to report it it's like nothing happens yeah oh man well how did you find them were you searching for your like your brand or your own pins Yeah, every now and then because like some some people try to resell my pins for like double and stuff really yeah not all the pins but like certain ones i'm like whatever and i was just thinking about making another chris farley pin because um like i made a, a fair amount of them but i was also like looking to buy stuff for myself and then i just see my pin i'm like that's insane because it's more annoying because i paid my friend to design it Mm-hmm. And now someone took even the picture, the product picture I took, and is reusing it to sell it. Oh, man, that's rough, too. Yeah. When they stoop down to that level and they use your damn product pictures, yeah. probably titled the same thing. They didn't even change the metadata. No. Dang, man. I've had similar stories of that, I, but I've never, like, searched for, like, my own pins or, like, any of the Ninja Turtle stuff. I've had couple people send me pins that look like mine and they were producing pins that were similar to mine but i haven't done like a brand check or anything like that on like on these websites that's pretty interesting i think one of my guests i think george from nostalgia vault was talking about that 
and how like one of the manufacturers, I don't think they were selling his pin, but I think they used his pin as like one of the listings as like examples of pins that they do. But that's pretty interesting. All right. Let me ask you, this thought came into my head while you were, where you were talking. Um, and it's about reselling pins. Like I'm okay with, with reselling pins. Like, you know, the only, I wish I could get a kickback, you know, of people reselling pins. Do you have any thoughts or just anything on like NFTs? Because if this was like an NFT art and, and what you sold originally gets resold, you could write what I think is called a smart contract. I'm still trying to figure this stuff out and get a kickback every time that thing is sold, like get 10% of whatever it's sold as. Is that, has that something you've explored or looked at by any chance? I've looked into making certain pin, pins as NFT pins. And I think it's still like, I think it's still too early for everyone to get into it. You like, you have to have a big name or be a freaking YouTuber mm. that's popular. And then you're able to sell your stuff for a ridiculous amount of money. But it's tough because of like the copyright. Like, is it okay if you sell a Simpsons pin and then someone else wants to resell it? It's, it's always tricky. Because I always think about like, yes, yes. as long as someone adds something to it in their art style, then I'm like, no, that should be, it's a, it's a new thing. Because mm. certain things like uh, become part of the culture and then it's the cultures. Yeah, I agree with you. Like Star Wars is for everyone and they shouldn't be gatekeeping everything, you know? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. It, it, it's weird, but like bootleggers in, in, in a sense are part of the community and they help keep these fandom alive to a lot of people who don't, you know, have all the all the fortunate things to be like money to like buy all these products and stuff like that. Like it's very much a real thing. It's pretty cool. If you ask me, like I love bootleg stuff. Yeah, I, things definitely pop up on like Wish. Like I, I bought stickers and clearly they're like taking it from someone else's design and just packaging and like a hundred of it for a dollar kind of thing. Yeah. There's definitely office pins there. I haven't seen mine yet, but I wouldn't be surprised at some point. All right. Uh, well, that's, that's pretty interesting. You're giving me something to do later tonight. I'm going to see, I'm going to challenge myself. I hope to find something. I don't know. Maybe I jinxed myself with that one. <laughs> I've had people, um, I had like a person reach out to me who was like trying to get rid of their pins. So I was able to like resell it on his behalf. Mm-hmm. Like I paid for them and then he got his money and then I was able to like sell them one by one. Okay. Yeah. And then I, every now and then I sell some of my collection. Um, I've had people try to buy specific pins like, I know there's a big, big community in that and like reselling, especially on like the Facebook groups of like really limited pins. Um, yeah, it's crazy. It's crazy how much they can go for. It's like, am I selling the right stuff? Like, <laughs> I, I take like a chill approach to noise pins because it is like a side thing. And like, I've been trying to not be so attached to social media but i I understand like that's where we can promote that stuff Mm -hmm. for sure 
I do want to talk talk about how like there's different venues of promoting pins that people should be aware of. Okay. So definitely, you know, Facebook, Facebook groups, Facebook ads, Instagram, Instagram ads. On Instagram, also there's certain pages that you can pay, and they will share your product for you. But be aware, like Instagram, Facebook have will. They don't like when other people do it. It's like they want you to pay them directly for the ads, for the reach, because mm-hmm. the reach is always, always changing. I think you talked about it in a previous podcast about the algorithm for Instagram. What about it, man? Yeah, it's always changing. Always changing. It's always changing, and I just want to warn people: like, don't rely strictly on Facebook and Instagram. Because they're mm-hmm. big now, but they can disappear, like MySpace, you know. Yes, and it it you just have to be aware of emerging social media platforms to take advantage of that organic that organic reach. I'm seeing it for myself on TikTok, and it's 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 wild. It, like it's still just it's kind of weird, but it's you know TikTok is where we wish that we were at with Instagram right now. Um, it's a completely different platform, and a lot of people probably have to start from the ground up again. You know, there's a stress and you know, trying to figure out, like, a new platform, and everything's not the same. But that's kind of, like, where we're at right now. And I think in another 10 to 15 years, like, the NFTs and stuff like that, like, I think that's also going to slowly trickle into, like, our shops and kind of, like, what the norm is in terms of what you can purchase. And we're all just going to have to uh, adopt and, and, and adapt to all these new platforms. And that's a big part of it. But I didn't mean to, I didn't mean to cut into your marketing. There's always like new technologies emerging about like products. Like I think Yahoo was doing a thing where they would play a video and at any point you could click it and you can buy the product. Like someone's wearing a bag or a hat, you can click it and it goes directly to the product page. That is insane. Yeah. I don't like that. I don't like that. Can we talk about something else? That scares me, man. That's learning too much, man. That's a crazy algorithm. <laughs> yeah. It's the future. Yeah. Oh, boy. Um, okay. I got a question for you. And I'm sure people ask you this. If someone comes up to you and they have a little bit of knowledge about pins, but they go, Artem, I really want to make a pin shop. Where do I start? How do I get started? What do I do? What do you tell them in like, you know? the short amount of time that you have to like tell someone this. Okay. Cause I get that a lot. I'm sure. Yep. I tell people, first off, I design them. I don't make them 99% of all pins are made in China and you need to contact a pin manufacturer. And I would say get samples from them so you could see what pins they can produce work with artists to design something for you always talk to like a there's always going to be a pin maker that you're going to be able to talk to lots of people are very open um, Mm -hmm. to a certain extent like i can only answer so many but definitely hit up you know or eric i think 
Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Pain manufacturer is the first like big step. Yeah. I like that though. Uh, I design enamel pins. I don't make them. I don't make them. And <laughs> people still message me. But I, I have no issues recommending pin manufacturers that I've used. Mm-hmm. I, I'm not sure if people used to gatekeep that information, but actually <laughs> a good way to get into it, there's a pin enamel book by Pin Lord that people should check out. And I think they're sold on Amazon. And it goes into history of pins and how to get them made. So mm-hmm. Pin Lord's book for sure. It I it should be in the background somewhere. Eventually, I, I would like to build up a little studio and have like a nice background that you can actually see all the pins and other stuff. But I do have that book. Um, pin I think it's called Pin Game Strong, and yeah. it is really cool. It does it definitely tells you uh, how to make pins, the ins and outs of pins, how like the rise of pins in pop culture, and they feature like tons of artists. And they, you know, like every like pin has its own credits. So you can you know try and find those pins. It's a it's a pretty neat little like coffee table book, um, and definitely something that like I hand to when they they ask or want to learn kind of like what I do on the side. It's like here, just like flip through this or just borrow this, and and you know let me know if you have any questions afterwards. It's a it's a pretty interesting book. Yeah. Um, definitely anyone watching check out pin lord's page on instagram because he promotes like you could pay for advertising with him mm-hmm. and sometimes he'll just give you a repost because he's like he understands the pin community and the social media reach and he always like is down to help people out you know he he reposted my last post i didn't ask for that but i always oh, like, nice. like dude thank you so much because it just helps get the word out on the pins. Yeah. Also, it just, it's a cool, he, he was really smart on being one of the first, I'm thinking, like to get into the pin community and posting pins. So if you're, if you want to buy something, you just look at his page and it's like, oh, I, I don't have this one. Oh, there's my friend. Oh, here's my pin. Like, it's really cool so many pins it's one that uh i think at enamel pins amazing handle they happen to grab that and i think they have the same the same kind of spiel where they just repost just all different pins so like like it's just a drop in the ocean that is the pin game yeah these feeds and i'm always surprised like what pops up there because Mm -hmm. i'm I don't, this is a new Nacho, uh, Nacho Libre pin. Like, I need that. I don't know why. That movie is so good. Yes. Uh, what I, I wanted to say, a lot of deep cuts are found on these, like, websites or on these, like, uh, pin pages. That it's like, if you know, you know. You know, it can be a little, like, Ninja Turtle com communicator or something like that. And it's like, well, the Ninja Turtle fans will know. And that's what's kind of cool about the pins. Um, I need to ask you if you have this Ninja Turtles pin because I helped get it made. Oh, okay. Um, no, I know uh, that's on like my pin wish list. Yeah, and that comes off and it's a magnet. Yeah. That is swag. Uh, who I forgot who made it. Uh, that's my buddy. Um, he went by Skull Designs, but now he's SD Print Co. 
SD Print Co. I can hit him up and see if he has any extras. Yeah, that would be cool. Um, I'll make note of that to hit him up. It's it, check those out. Definitely wanted to get that. I love the colors. The colors popped, and also like that's just such a clever design. Uh, my first pin was a Krang, and the backing card was just a close up of Krang like in the belt, um, in the Android body belt. So yeah. like I can relate to that pin with my pin business not necessarily ninja turtles which is kind of cool and why i'm just like i need that shit (laughs) oh man i got i got i would love to like do a tour or something one day of all the all the pins back there but like half the board is ninja turtle pins right now yeah i've been keeping my board separate where um my main board is i gotta send you a picture so you could like take a look at it so that's my main board, mainly movies, some New York stuff, Terminator, Office, local pin makers, like lots of Staten Island New Yorkers that I have up there too. Some Marvel, of course. That's a lot of pins, man. I don't think it's a lot compared to like other people's, <laughs> you know, like rolling pins. He has like five boards yeah he's got that's an insane amount yo i guess you we're talking to people who are like literally knees deep in the pins like that is crazy though i can't wait to go back to shows and just look at people's collections again like this and just like stare at their booths or their or their tables for like 10 minutes just eyes darting everywhere i definitely want to go to a show and not be a vendor so i can enjoy it way more yeah because like vending is like a whole thing that it's like an all-day thing for people people do a lot for these like shows like I don't, I don't think people realize how much work goes into it you know it's it's definitely a lot and, and we will talk about that in a little bit i have a couple questions for you about vending because uh who doesn't love to talk about vending at shows so I got a sense you have a, a really cool range of pins, you know, that all kind of fall under the pop culture category, if you will. You know, aside from making sure that it isn't already a pin, how do you figure out what designs to turn into pins? So it's really tough because you can only do so much, so much like research, like going on Reddit, uh, pin subreddits and then also facebook and then pinterest and always looking at etsy and it's like what sticks out to me and is it worth the risk to put money into something that you might not get back Mm -hmm. i think people should realize is a reality not everyone should be like oh my god i need this one thing like yes it'd be easy just to make like baby yodas with different hats every every month you know but no i want to look for i try to look for something more specific or something that that i guess calls to me something from like my past and um that's where i usually begin to look like movies and then tv shows and then video games or something pop culture or something that annoys me and I'm like, how can I turn this into a pin? And then people can like relate to it. Yeah. One pin 
that's kind of like that would have to be this F-U-M-T-A. <laughs> of course, because F-U-M-T-A. I don't like how it took a pandemic for them to be forced to clean their trains. <laughs> you know, that's... Mm. And then uh, this one was because I got parking tickets for alternate side parking. Dang, yo, same here. Yeah, and I made sure it said something like, good. Fuck you, pay me. <laughs> so like a little good fellas in there, you know. Um, so every now and then I do try to design something more like original which is like I feel like more risky compared to the pop culture stuff because everyone I think people like to um, relate to something everyone knows so it's like easier to sell but then trying to draw something original is um, just good practice Mm -hmm. designing and trying to test the market like okay maybe some people like this kind of stuff or people don't Mm -hmm. so sometimes i do draw stuff or i hire an artist to do it for me nice because sometimes like i don't have time or like i need like specific art style yeah i I can relate to the time part for sure it's not enough hours in the day some designs they take I just take personally like too long. So I'm like, do I want this to be a pin? Like I've had designs where I've been holding on to them for a while. Mm -hmm. I have this one of Oscar the Grouch, but he's like the Hulk. Like he's in the garbage can and he's like (laughs) hulked out. And I'm like just holding on to that for some reason. Like, I like that. It's like, it's tough. Yeah, it's definitely tough. I can relate it's just like you don't have the time to actually like put it to paper but it's hard to kind of like describe what you see in your head to someone else to to have to rely on like them to come up it it's it's definitely tough and i've definitely had to can a bunch of stuff because it one it wasn't either it wasn't like turtle stuff or two it's just this is just like so so specific a little too specific that it just wasn't even worth it, you know, beyond a doodle or something like that. Yeah. I'm looking at my board now, like things I'm going to be like selling. Oh, I want to mention like people should also turn their pin designs into stickers because there's another community out there that's just as like cool and uh, interesting uh, next to the pins. And that's like stickers or people say slaps. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Okay. So, so I'm sorry, yeah. go ahead. Oh, good. I was going to like segue this into marketing because um, something that I've recently adopted is every time I make a pin now, I will turn that pin into a sticker. And, you know, in the future, I'm going to try and do on the release day, people who order this pin will also get this sticker, you know, included in their order for free or something like that. So I'm kind of using stickers not just throwing them up on the shop but it's like a little incentive a little bit of a marketing boost to try and like you know get those day one sales uh as high as possible do you have any specific marketing strategies that you see work for you and noise pins if so what are they so i sell my stuff on mainly on etsy and i always include a code for uh, 
a percentage off or like three bucks off your next order. So that way people can come back and get like another pin, but for cheaper. Mm-hmm. And sometimes I'll just randomly put in a sticker or if I know that it's going overseas, I always want to put extra stuff because make it worth it. Yeah. The shipping is brutal for like the UK and like Australia. I had pins. I had a pin go to South Korea. Oh, that's cool. Ireland. So I always want to like add stuff to that. Um, be it like if I have logo stickers of my logo mm-hmm. or just a design that might, I think that might be good with their pin order. Like if they like comedy, always put something that's more funny type of deal. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. If someone orders something specific, like uh, a Donatello pin, then I usually throw in another Donatello sticker. Or if I have any like of those vintage Ninja Turtle trading cards or something like that, I'll look for a Donny one and just try and like throw that one in there, especially for international orders. A lot of the time shipping is more than the pin, unfortunately. So I definitely try and hook it up and and make sure that those people get their money's worth because, you know, they're doing it, you know, just hoping that the pin shows up in a timely manner. Yeah. Sometimes it just it takes a while for for the pins to show up. Luckily, we've had a pretty good success rate. Um, I gotta ask, do you do pre-orders? So we we don't do pre-orders, but it's not as like simple and dry as as a no. We don't do pre-orders. I've gotten like pretty strategic with my approach when it comes to making pins, because I I'll say I'll admit that we. I have released some stuff that hasn't sold very well. You know, I'm still sitting on like more than half of the uh, of the pins and stuff like that. So what I did was I really tried to understand my audience and what they were buying and what they were into by just releasing a bunch of different mock-ups and stuff like that. And eventually, you know, I kind of figured out what they like. And, you know, so now I'm doing like sets and making bigger pins and seeing every everything release with some success, which is which is great. And I and I love seeing that just taking a little bit more of an approach versus like, oh, this would be a cool idea. This is not out there. Let's just throw it out there. Like there's a little bit more thought put into it. And I'm not I'm not just coming up with an idea designing it and then sending it off to the manufacturer as eager as I was like in the beginning. So because I know kind of what to release and how more or less what the anticipation and expectations and stuff like that are going to be, I don't do pre-orders. I've, I've, I've actually, because I don't want to sit on a bunch of pins, I've started ordering less and I know that it'll, you know, make the cost of each pin go up, but I'm okay with that if I can just move all the pins quicker. Because if it works, then maybe I can figure out a way to bring the pins back and things like that. So I don't do pre-orders for pins. I will, I think I will be doing pre-orders for hats and shirts in the future. Because I don't want them shipping from elsewhere. Well, I have concerns about that. I don't, like, I don't want people getting two packages in the mail a shirt, and then a pin or pins, whatever, from me. I want to see, I want to make sure, like, I can sign off on what's going out, but 
I realized going this method, you're going to have to pay a little bit more for the products, you know, because I'm actually going to have to have them physically on me. So in order for me to not end up with a large stock of unsold merch, I'm going to do pre-orders. And I found a couple like shops that do hats and shirts, very small quantities. So whoever pre-orders, maybe I'll round that number up of 17 people pre-order to like 20 or 25 shirts just to have a couple extra on deck. But like I know that I got 17 shirts sold. That money came in for those 17 shirts and I'm not sitting on a large, more than half of it, you know, waiting for it to, to sell. So I know that was kind of long, but that's kind of like where my head is at in terms of pre-orders and pre-order strategies. No, I think that's good for people to know. And also when you pre-order something, just you're, you might have to wait. It's not going to be instant because sometimes people don't like read anything and be like, where's my stuff? And that's when I'm like, I, I don't think I can do pre-orders. I, I like knowing I have a product and then I can ship it out as soon as possible. Yeah, absolutely. But I still order other people's stuff because like, of course I'm going to support my friends and whatnot. Like I want that stuff. Right. And we also live in just like this instant gratification society where, you know, we're used to stuff on Amazon being delivered to us in the next day or two. So I think we kind of expect that. Well, I'm, I'm honestly guilty of it, expecting that kind of like across the board, like, okay, it's been a couple of days, like, where's my stuff? And it's just, yeah. it feels kind of like bratty to like have those thoughts, especially when, when you're ordering stuff from small businesses, because they don't have the luxury that Amazon, I wouldn't say luxuries, but they don't have the capabilities that Amazon has to yeah. get their stuff out there fast. Yeah. And also the post office is, it could be either really good or, oh, your stuff's missing. <laughs> yep. T tough shit, you know, or I, I get a package returned back and it's like ripped up and like clearly run over. Mm -hmm. and it's like hey like it's not on it's not my fault but i gotta quickly contact a customer and be like this is what happened let me send this out to you as soon as possible yeah it's it's unfortunately the part of just owning a business is being able to you know that's why the prices are what they're what they are to help offset some of these things you know a package is going to get lost or two and packages are going to get like sent back to you like it happens as long as it sounds like you're still being transparent with your customers and letting them know what's going yeah. on instead of just like acting like nothing happened or oh i don't know maybe it'll show up one day you know so you have uh good faith which i like yeah i because i try to think of it as what if it was something i ordered i'm like exactly oh, where is it but it's like wait it's a small business something could have happened or just send a little message. Mm -hmm. Have you, have you ever had like a bad review or experience with one of your orders? With uh, like someone leaving a bad review? Yeah. Um, I w yes. I'm trying to recall the story. I don't really harp too much on these, on these things. Like you, you, 
you learn from it and then you move on from it. Um, but I think it was just a situation where something must have been missing from an order. I'm human. Sometimes I'll forget a pin or put the wrong sticker in. Like it has happened, you know, and I, I, I don't think I was responding quick enough to the customer or, or, or something like that. This is really like this is in the beginning, like when we first started, maybe 2016, 2017. So at first they left like a pretty nasty review, I think, on our website. I think it was like a one star on like all the products they had ordered on their website. And then once I sent them the the item that was missing or that was wrong or whatever, they went back and they re-edited their review to five stars and they like they changed everything. In that instance, I don't think that there was much else that I could have done. You know, like this was just a person who just instant gratification, just why, why didn't I get my stuff? You know, like. I get it. It it was wrong. Uh, They have every right to kind of like gripe about it, but like to go and like attack the business and like try and leave one star reviews on everything before we even finish the dialogue of trying to figure out how to resolve this can, can be a little frustrating, I guess, as like a business owner, but definitely don't take anything to heart when it comes to this kind of stuff. I'm not heartless. But I don't, again, like I don't harp on, on these kind of things. Have you dealt with any kind of negative reviews? I had just one in particular that was like, it made no sense because uh, this was around the time of, it was it, the California fires. I forgot what year it was. It was like really bad. So all. It's like the past couple of years. So bad. There was one where it was like really bad and. I sent out a order to California and it just didn't get delivered for a certain amount of days because everything was stopped. Okay. And the customer messaged me and it's like really aggressive automatically. And I'm like trying to explain, like, just let me look at the tracking. And if it doesn't show up in the next couple of days, I will send you a, a replacement. Mm-hmm. And he was still being like aggressive and left me a one-star review. Well, this was before the review. The item eventually showed up a few days later and he loved the item, but hated me. So he still left a one-star review. So I'm like, whatever. And in my messages, I just kept saying like, God bless you. Bless your soul. Oh, which is code for go fuck yourself. Yeah. No, but it's going to happen. I think people (laughs) just be prepared because not everyone's going to be like forgiving for packages Mm -hmm. not arriving on time, even though we don't have control after it gets scanned. Yeah. I've had like, I think in a total of like 10 or 12 orders that just didn't get delivered or they weren't like scanned and they just lost in the abyss. So I would like message people back and be like, Oh, let me send a replacement right away. Because like, it sucks. And I wanted to like, fix that for them. I even had uh, an order of free pins lost in the same borough. I dropped it off at. So luckily I kind of knew the customer 
I'm like, that last name like looks familiar. So I contacted them. I'm like, oh wait, this is this person's like sister. So I'm like, hey, uh, so apparently the mail like disappeared. So let me drop these off to you because I'm I'm on the same borough and that's what I did. I dropped off the pins and then I threw in some extra stuff and all was well. But I can't do that in like South Korea, you know? <laughs> yeah. It's just kind of like, as a consumer, I think just part of the buying process and what you kind of have to accept, yeah. uh, especially if it's over international lines. And it's it's crazy because it's like such a small package. Like it's a, it's a pin. Sometimes it's just one pin or three pins and it's gone. Yeah, yeah. The risks are definitely against it for getting lost long travel. <laughs> um cool well moving on uh because we're running pretty long and we're like around the 50 60 minute mark or so but it's been great man i love when conversations like this just keep flowing i want to talk quickly about vending at shows uh, i believe we've both had the experience of vending at patches and pins expo what's it like vending at these shows what's your patches and pins expo experience like so it was my first like proper big event and I just came in there with just free pin designs and then a bunch of pins that were in my personal collection that I was like just just reselling because like ah, I'm not too attached to them so I'm like maybe someone else will like this random pin because like I don't, know, I don't know if you're like this but like if you go to a thrift shop, it's like, oh, I want to find something, one random cool thing. So I'm like, let me do that for the pins. And it was cool seeing like what, what kind of pins are really out there and all the characters who are behind these like different shops that's like, oh, wait, this person's like went to the same college as me. I'm like, that's crazy. I'm like, oh, I'm friends with him on Instagram. Like, let me talk to him. And I started to learn about like, um, you know, you go up to different pin makers, introduce yourself and then check out their stuff and like offer to trade. And then it just evolves from there. And uh, you, you learn about how people market their items, how they package it, how they display them, what kind of sales they do. You, you learn so much. I think if you do want to get into pin making, you, you should really go to an event and like experience it. You said it, experience it both as like a consumer and as a vendor. I, I think it's totally worth it. You're, you're in it with the sharks, so to speak. Like there's no better way to like really understand uh, like the pin culture and everything else that you talked about, the pins, the setups, the people, the relationships, all that stuff. You just got to get out there. So it sounds like, you know, overall, you've had pretty good experience at those shows. I think from because things are easing up, I, I think there were pin events going on during the pandemic, which I felt like that was a little ill-advised, in my opinion, because certain people weren't able to get vaccinated yet. And just being that close and to like crowded like venues, uh, that wasn't for me. Like I knew like, I just can't vend really. Cause I have to think about like the people I live with, my family, 
and just random people. I don't want to get people sick. There's like, I would feel like so bad if I like went to an event and then I got like sniffles and then someone else like had blood clots and stuff. I'm like, uh, so I knew I was going to have to just like just sell stuff online, figure out like, okay, I have more time to focus on the, the ways I'm going to be displaying the, the pins, what I'm going to do, like how I'm going to take pictures of them, how I'm going to create backgrounds, create videos for them to figure out TikTok stuff. I'm almost advocating that people go to these shows with a notebook and just like take notes, take pictures, and then take a note, reference picture, four, 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 five, uh, take note of their color booth or the way that they displayed pins or something like that. So much. I definitely know it's like certain tables have like their own color scheme. Um, I forgot who did like an all purple one. Um, Go Go Noel or something. She had really cool, like a really nice like display. And then some looked like very makeshift, but it fit with the style that they were like presenting. I'm like, okay, that's cool. Like, there's so many different styles you could do with your own like display. Mm-hmm. People have like racks and like cages to display their stuff. I I, I remember uh, uh, rolling pins. He was doing the um, the bottle with the pin pin backs, and you had to guess how many. I'm like, that's that's really <laughs> yeah. smart. I actually I, I really wanted to do this thing where I would buy like an old gumball machine, and then in the bubbles you would put like a number or like a name of a pin and then they would win that pin if you want to do that um i would say that also leads into prepping for your display because how many people do you have to help you how much stuff are you going to carry yeah exactly i know i want to be able to have uh one or two large bins and that's the products and then i need my chairs i need my uh tablecloths i need display signs like you need to prepare if you want to do vending i try to do it like ahead of time and then also like simplify it i only bring 10 of this pin i bring 20 of that and bring five of this one always have change Uh, or (laughs) um write your venmo or your PayPal. So it's like easier because sometimes people don't want to use cash or during pandemic stuff, you want to not like be handling money, you know? Those are good tips. Very good tips. I would also add nuts, hand sanitizer. Oh, also, I think maybe using QR codes, I think will become like a cooler thing to, to, I know people use it already, but like, you know, to follow, get some follows on Instagram or for, you know, it could be a QR code to a link tree that has the different ways that you can pay, whether it's on the website, uh, Venmo, Shopify, I, I don't know, there's a bunch of like different reasons, but you, you pretty much, you know, I'm on par with everything that you said about vending and in terms of like what you need to have, all that stuff is pretty important. Also, like, you don't want to do this by yourself. You, no. you definitely want an extra hand because like, hey, you want to go to the bathroom or you want to get food? Not like it shouldn't be the responsibility of a different person next to you. If you are next to someone to watch your stuff. <laughs> yeah. 
and then they have to handle the money somehow or it's just you want an extra hand for sure yeah that will always help take good care of that person helping you because it is it is a long day and a lot of the times my at least my voice is just all coarse and raspy and just like yeah. i'm done i'm done yeah and like it's hard not to be like oh i just want to walk around and look at everyone else's stuff because there's like so much going on you know mm-hmm. i want to try and organize some sort of uh like patches and pins after hours event where maybe we just make like a little group chat or something like that and just figure out a place big enough where we can all like go eat or something like that afterwards and just kind of, but it's really tough. I did it with a, with the couple folks. I think we went to a nearby Gotham market city or Gotham city or or something. It's just kind of like this marketplace. I had all different sorts of food, but we're rolling up with like two suitcases each with like backpacks that are just like bursting at the seams. Like it, it like we were rolling in deep. Like it was pretty funny. Like you'd like, yeah. who are these guys? Are they important? Like they got all this stuff with them. So it is a pain in the butt, but I mean, it's crazy out in California how they're one, two day events and they happen like every so often, but the amount of people going just keeps increasing, increasing. So I don't know, maybe we'll get to a point where it becomes like a pretty common thing. Like every year there's just like a big expo, a big meetup cheap hotels nearby i wish like it, it was better in new york i wish there were definitely more events i i remember like you were you and rich were talking about the event that was happening in queens i was at that one mm-hmm. also okay the windjammer one yeah and i i drove there with a bunch of pin makers like jeff and march.jpg it was like a small it was a small event but it was still like proper pin event you know mm-hmm. or you would look at everyone's table and then walk around trade with people just seeing all the collectors that like there's always like that that one dude with the jean jacket that's like completely covered i'm like how do you walk around with that because whenever <laughs> i have more than like three pins on my hat it like weighs pretty heavy you know yeah I think, uh, oh man, Xavier, I believe is his name. It's been so long since I've seen him, but yeah. there, I think there are multiple people that walk around with like jackets like that, but there's this one dude in particular. Yeah. There's one guy who has like all the Power Ranger pins, the, the Funko collectors, like there's groups of Funko collectors that also make their own pins and that collect Funko like type pins. Mm-hmm. And they're like, they're proper collectors, I gotta say yeah it's crazy how much stuff they have it's just cool seeing all the different fandoms like just go at it and go insane like these are your a lot of us this we're online businesses so we don't always get to see our customers or i don't know like at like physically see them is a, is a big thing so for us to see them and interact with them and talk to them like is really cool you just have a better understanding of like what you're in the community that you're in and like the people that you're connecting and the people that you're making happy. I I wish that New York was like out there in California. Like it is insane. One, I mean, it would be nice to, to go to a show every month and make money from a show every month. Cause like those events pretty lucrative. I, I would like for them to happen more often. 
Um, but two, just being able to like regularly like meet like your second fam, you know, out there and just hang and talk pins and connect with different fandoms is really cool. And that's one of my favorite parts about vending. Yeah. And they have like such insight of like what kind of pins are out there. And then they would be like, oh, no one's made this type of pin. And then I'm like, maybe I should make it. But then again, it's like some pins are like so expensive to make like anything when you add a hinge or magnets, it's like, it's a ridiculous amount of money. Like, yep. there's one pin design, like I'm fine putting it out there because it's too expensive for me to make, but I did draw it up where it's the Power Rangers command center from Mighty Morphin. And then it would open up to the inside with the Power Rangers and Zordon and Alpha 5 on the side. Okay. Getting quotes from different pin makers and from pin manufacturers, I'm like, that's a lot. Because I sell fund and I'm like, ah, can't do it. Maybe one day when it, the prices get cheaper to produce these pins. Yeah. Yeah, it's tough. Like sometimes you do want to make a pin, but financially it doesn't make sense you know yeah i i I try and just plan to break even if i can break even that's minimum where i want to be at you know obviously i like to try and like sell a little bit more that would be great but i'm just all about like even if i don't think it's going to like be like next big seller you know, it, it's not going to like change me overnight or anything like that. But like, I really go all in with like some of these designs, like some of the latest ones, the Leonardo hover trike that I just released, like contemplating whether or not people would even buy it. Okay. I think people would buy it. Well, do I make it like a regular, like one, one and a half inch size, or do I like make it a real big sucker and do three inch? And it's just like, I don't know, kind of committing to those like crazy ideas. People are always just like, whoa, that's a big pin. When pins are generally like bigger, you can see more details and stuff like that. So I was just kind of banking on that and hoping that like that would work in my favor. And I'm working on another pin right now that has a hinge and it's a little bit more money as do like the, the larger three inch pins. But I think they're just cool and I think they're fun and... When, I, you know, the audience, I think, can see the work that went into it and when it really is, like, something for the audience or something that they can, like, connect to, um, no matter how crazy or how expensive for what, like, your profits are, like, I think it's just pretty cool still going for it, you know? And sometimes, like, I just, I, I just want this one pin for myself and, like, <laughs> yeah, that always happens. Sometimes you do that. So I've been also making um, It's Always Sunny pins. And I've been noticing that's starting to be a new like genre of pins that people want to like produce and collect. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, I'm happy I got into that early. But I'm also happy seeing other people make it because it's like, oh, that's so cool. I'm going to buy that myself, you know? Yeah, for sure. I felt like that with Ninja Turtles. In the beginning, I don't think that there were many people making pins, so it felt really cool to kind of, like, be there in the beginning. Like, I don't want to take credit right here, right now, for starting the hashtag TMNT pins, but I think we were one of the first people to start using that and making that, like, a norm before other people started, uh, you know, using it a lot. So, I don't know. It's pretty cool. Pins, man, can go on and on and on. 
All right, let's wrap this bad boy up. I have a couple questions lined up for you. It started, you know, as a rapid fire, but I learned that, you know, people aren't giving me short answers. There's a lot to talk about. So um, I'm just going to ask you questions. First thing to come to your mind, just bam, let's spit them out. You ready? Yep. All right. Do you like soft enamel pins or hard enamel pins? Soft enamel. Why? It just, I, I like feeling the grooves of the metal, of the lines. I think it's like, I think it's more work to make a pin work as a soft enamel. Yeah, for sure. Those just those details, but literally the sensation of feeling sometimes like those ridges and grooves is just like one of those little things. I don't know. <laughs> it's also crazy to see how detailed they could be when they're so small. Mm-hmm. And that's when it starts to get like super impressive, and like you can kind of use that as a uh, a selling point. What is your favorite metal to make pins on? Probably nickel because it's like cheaper to make. And sometimes it's it's not, you can't really tell from certain metals. Mm-hmm. You know? Or no, you know, no, black dye. I use black dye way more because it looks better. It might be a little more, but I think it's worth it. It makes things pop a little bit. Um just especially like the edges and the outline of it just kind of looks clean. It depends really on the design, but generally I would say that black dye uh, works with most pins. Yeah. And it's kind of like what I'll recommend as a starting point for folks looking to uh, make pins. What's the most recent addition to your pin collection? What? I bought something ridiculous. There are two pins I got of, uh the show the boys it's of homelander i'm not familiar no it's a pretty cool show it's like a rated r take on superhero uh subculture okay of like the movies and whatnot so uh, i got that and i think some nacho libre pin for sure <laughs> nice i think ours was Probably some Ninja Turtle pins. I think Adventure Society hooked it up with some Ninja Turtle pins recently. I think that was the last time. Um, but anyway, I'm asking you the questions. What's a pin that you can't live without? Um, I bet you would never, ever guess that you'd be asked that question. Yeah. <laughs> Hi, my name is Eric from Warrior Pins. Artem, I need to know, what pins can't you live without? Definitely the that 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 Thanos pin with the gauntlet that's magnetic with the gems in it. The gems are magnetic. Um, no, they're the glove itself is magnetic and it attaches to Thanos. Oh, and in the gauntlet it has gems. That's cool. That's tough. It just makes me like think of like what else can you do to pins like. That's really what, like, well thought of, you know? Yeah. I think another one... Well, I made this one pin as a tribute to this owner of Hypnotronic Comics from Staten Island. He passed away, and I made the pin as a tribute, and I gave all of them to his partner, who still runs the shop. And the only way to get these pins is to go to that shop on Staten Island. So I think that one pin is like it means something that's cool it's a, a pin with a purpose a pin with the meaning pin with 
I like that. Those are the pins, man. That hit close. Uh, what is your favorite pin hashtag? I like pin game proper. Oh, snap. Jumping ahead of question. Okay, cool. Pin game proper. I like that. It's like the little brother of the pin game hashtags. Yeah. <laughs> Where's your favorite place to rock a pin? Definitely my, my hat. Um, I, but I have to be limited because it just weighs my head down. <laughs> um yeah definitely the hat yeah also sometimes i feel like it just lots of pins on a hat it might look cool i'm not saying that's like a no-no it's just me personally i like just like one or two just like little accent pieces on the hat i mean I, i did have one here i don't know what happened why it fell off like that but i love wearing pins on my hats Okay, so I got to ask, because I'm a big Ninja Turtle fan, that's pretty evident. When you check out Warrior Pins, who was your favorite turtle? Probably. I, I guess. I, I know who I, who I would guess for you. Is that obvious? Donatello. Yeah. Oh, I'm good at this. I don't know. I don't, maybe it's the color. Because he's red, Oh, no, 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 Donatello's the purple one. Which one's the red one? Red, red would be Raphael. Raphael. Is he the one that was in the, like, in the movies, the undercover French coat? Yeah, yeah, yes. Okay, that's who I like. <laughs> nice. Okay, cool. Yeah. Cool but rude. I, I don't know. I, I, think it's, I think it's the color, too. Because, like, with Power Rangers, it's always the Red Ranger. Even though people want the Green Ranger and White Ranger. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I actually at Comic Con I got him to sign my pin of the Power Ranger Morpher pin that I still had. So I have that the original um, Jason, I think. That was also my favorite Ranger, by the way, the Red Ranger. Yeah, the the original, the first one. Yeah. Good times, but okay. So you're a Raph. There's nothing wrong with being a Raph. That's really cool. Oh, aren't they making? Are, are they trying to reboot it again? Yeah, Seth Rogen, I think, is uh, writing or producing uh, the new, I think, CGI Ninja Turtle movie. I think they're actually going to be teenagers. And I I have good feelings so far about what's been released in terms of the story, what they have to say about the turtles. And uh, I'm pretty excited for it. 2023 still ways away but turtles are coming back so i'm excited for for everything else that's gonna come along with it from like content supposedly there's like a a netflix uh ninja turtles movie releasing should be sometime soon so if you're a turtles fan it's definitely a good time to be a be a turtles fan We're, we're putting rise of the teenage mutant ninja turtles and those michael bay movies behind us now yeah i i couldn't get into them I like any movie with the freaking blue light coming down. It's like that's been done. Yeah, I think the second one was better just because they had some of the like the classic characters. Yeah, Bebop, Rocksteady, the epic battle with with Shredder. Like even though I wasn't big on the character Shredder or like how he looked, I'll admit the action sequences did keep me entertained. But all those like little doses of nostalgia was kind of cool. But 
Oh, yeah. At the bottom of the list in terms of, like, turtle movies. All right. Back to the Q&A. What's one regret that you have with your pin business? Not starting sooner, really. Like, Mm. oh, my God. If I was, like, one year ahead, I feel like I would have more traction. And I would have, like, put out certain pins ahead of other people, you know? Yeah. Like, I always write down different pin ideas in my notes app i'm like i should do this i should do that maybe this and then randomly i'll find them on my instagram feed i'm like what someone made the pin already i'm like oh my god there was a good one i his, i forgot the exact name of the the pin maker but something like bxe buttons and he made a mm-hmm. really cool delorean pin that has a hinge that opens up and the dog is inside i'm like I wrote that down like a while ago, but he did a crazy good job on it. So I can relate. I can relate. Um, Here's a new question. What's life as a pin maker like? For me, I'm more like on the chill side. I'm not so high strung about like, oh, get the hashtags correct. Get this post out. Cause like you're going to eventually like, go crazy thinking about social media and I, I try not to mm-hmm. yeah it, I just it's I can still be that collection um, mentality that I have with just I want this I want that but it's easy because I can just put it on the board behind me and it's not going to be boxes that take up the whole wall you know all right cool what what's the how do I want to phrase this What's the most rewarding thing about being a pin maker? I would say being part of the community and seeing like how much, how, like how creative people are with what they want to put out there. Lots of people are super generous too. There's lots of pin makers that will just share your stuff for like, you share their stuff, they share your stuff. No like big issue with that. Mm -hmm. And then getting feedback like, oh, you should try this out next time or um talk to this person because they i think they want to do a collaboration related to this type of topic of a pin yeah it's been cool like collaborating with like certain people definitely you want this design i want this design how about we both go have these and then we each have half of each other's pins to put out there yeah like i got to do that with um the office funko pops I reached out to him. I'm like, hey, do you want to make pins? Because I was thinking of drawing pops as pins. I-, I didn't see any that I liked myself. And I was a big fan of The Office. I'm like, if there's anyone you want to make pins with related to The Office, it's like, this is the guy. Yeah. So I started like making pins with him. So I made some that were exclusive. He made some that were exclusive. We made like pin sets and Funko collectors love collecting. Like, why wouldn't they want to collect pins too? I got to make another It's Always Sunny pin. Uh, I drew Andrew. He made bodyguard pin of Charlie and Mac, where they're like American badasses and bodyguards. Mm-hmm. And they're holding like a gun and a katana. And he drew that up. I'm like, this is amazing. I would, I'm so happy that's in my, my collection. And uh, I get to push, promote his stuff. And then I was able to draw the speed bus as a pin because like that movie's just like so amazing like it's you can rewatch that whenever 
it's crazy how good it is. So I'm like, yeah. I want that as a pin. And if it doesn't sell like a crazy amount, that's fine. I'm just going to rock it no matter <laughs> what. Nice. I like that. I've definitely had that rationale for a couple of my pins. Who cares? I'm going to rock this for till the day I die. Yeah. And sometimes pins, you just sell them just over time. Some people just want to sell it now, day one. But sometimes, like, it takes a little time. Like, I was able to sell 400 Stanley Nichols. That's crazy. It is kind of crazy. I could say the same thing about our Krang pin, just like through the years, just kind of getting it made because it, it sells over and over again. So yeah, that's pretty cool. Yeah, man. It's lots of good things coming out of being a pin maker. It sounds like it's uh, definitely a good time to be a pin maker. I will say that. Last question. I ask everyone this question. I love ending the podcast on a, a wholesome note, usually. Artem. What are the little things in life for you? Waking up and then my dog just licking my face and waking me up. <laughs> Wholesome. Yes. <laughs> I'm like grumpy when I'm like waking up. So that helps, you know, that would definitely uh, help. <laughs> even though his breath stinks in the morning, it's like, oh, my God, but he's happy. So I'm awake. Yeah, I like that. That's a great visual. <laughs> stepping all crawling over pins just to get to to artem the owner i don't know <laughs> artem that's it that's the end of pin pals you made it how do you feel hopefully not too exhausted <laughs> winded yeah take a drink of water relax here we are uh i don't it doesn't seem like you're as hot as i am man i've had to keep no i am Woof. i'm right now yeah I was like, maybe fuck the sound. It'll be bad. <laughs> yeah, I'm sick of this humidity. You know, mm-hmm. I don't know. We're in New York, so it's you're in Jersey. Yeah. Like we experience everything. Mm-hmm. Everything to the to the maximum too. Yeah, like I shouldn't be sweating to death on the train and then to the gym and then I'm already like burnt <laughs> out. You no, know? it's just too much sometimes. Yeah. You know, I don't miss commuting into the city this time of year. For uh, sure. Dude, the first train that I took with my girlfriend to go downtown, we took the two train and of course some crazy guy asking for something. I have my headphones on. So I'm like, whatever, ignore this fucking guy we're on the train and then he starts like motioning to me and then to my girlfriend and then he starts motioning jerk off to oh. my friend and then that's when i'm like okay i get up and i'm like he's he definitely wanted to fight and then he was calling me cracker saying the n-word to me oh wow and some other passenger like held me back and said like you know it's not worth it if he comes near you I'll fucking kill him. Like this guy was like ready and like looking to fight people. Yeah. Like it's annoying. Like you get a seat, you want to relax. And then it's like, we got to get to the next train. But that was like the first, first train experience back. That's a crazy one. The, the crazies are coming out, man. Dude. Like on the R train, I remember just, there was this fake homeless guy that would always put on an accent. 
help, I need money. But then a different tri- train ride later, I see him on his phone and then counting a lot of money. And then wearing nice Jordans. I'm like, no, not Jordans. He was wearing like red, red Tims. I'm like, those yeah. are expensive, aren't they? I'm like, you motherfucker. Yeah. God damn uh, those people. Anyways, um, I'm going to give you the floor. Uh, if you have any shout outs, now would be the time to shout them out. Uh, let the people know kind of what you have going on and where they can find you. Um, so I got to give out a couple of shout outs. Um, first off, there is no noise pins without Jeff Cinco. You need to like follow his stuff. Other people include Space Cadet Collective, Rebel Art, uh, Dead Original, Chris RWK of Robots Will Kill, The Office Funko Pops, Pin Lord, Rolling Pins 90, Pin Day, Mike Die, I Saw Dino, Nightly Pins, Nerd Matters, and there's these two newer pin makers that I think people should be on the lookout. They're really, they have really good stuff. The Crafty Lion and Second Street Pins. Check them out. And check out my stuff, Noise Pins on Instagram and Etsy. Uh, we have a bunch of office pins, Funko pins, pop culture movies. It's always sunny. The last pin uh, that we just released is uh, To the Moon and Space Rockets. <laughs> yeah, I saw. The craziness of the stock market. So I was glad I was able to put that one out like right away. But yeah, check out. We're going to be doing more collabs and get the last version of the Stanley Nickel before they're all gone. Before they're all gone. Definitely. We'll have all the, the links in the show notes to all your shops and your Instagram. Well, just, I guess, just your one shop, Etsy yeah. and Instagram. Cool, man. Uh, well, Artem, it's been a pleasure. I'm sure that we can keep going. As you can tell, the sun is going down and it is getting dark. Um, this was a great time. Thank you so much for, for, for taking time out of your schedule to sit down and talk pins with someone probably just as crazy about pins as you are. Um, yeah. This was a good time. I really enjoyed myself. I feel inspired too. Like I'm gonna definitely like go back to my desk and start figuring out how to make just pins, more pins, better yeah. pins. I just I feel think of the next thing is always like just, yeah, exactly. Just sit down and think of the next yeah. thing is <laughs> like what we do like every day, right? <laughs> Automatically, it's like okay, you need to make a Loki pin because people want to are watching Loki right now or trying to think of things ahead of time. Like I know Ghostbusters is going to be back and everyone's going to make this, the stay puff guy, but the baby one, mm-hmm. but I'm like, I'm skipping that. I don't want to make them <laughs> like uh, pick and choose your battles. Yeah. Uh, but that'll be fun, man. We'll hit it up on the, on the DMS. You ever yeah. on the fence about a design? Just shoot me a message, man. We'll talk it out. We'll figure it out. Cool. Well, uh, thanks for your time, Artem. I really appreciate it. We'll catch you on the flip. Episode 14 in the books. How about that? Thank you guys for listening and making it this far. 
I'll tell you, it's not easy producing this podcast. There's a lot that goes into it. It may seem pretty easy, and it might seem fun to do a podcast. Don't get me wrong, it, it, it is, but it's a lot of work. Um, I'm not complaining or anything like that. I'm just letting you know I'm doing what I have to do to make sure you guys get a new episode every week. So please, if you have a minute, definitely rate, review, follow, subscribe, wherever you're listening to this uh, to make our numbers look good. It helps, you know, we could land another advertiser or sponsor, dot, 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 dot. Speaking of, dot, 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 I want to talk to you guys about stickers, mainly the stickers that I get made for my shop, Warrior Pins. So for the past couple years, uh, I've been trying to get into the habit of releasing stickers every time a new pin drops so that, you know, with the pin, you can also get a matching sticker. I think this is really cool, and I'm a big fan of when pin makers do this. Uh, so it's, it's just something that I've been trying to adopt, and I've gone through countless different sticker manufacturers. You know, I've had stickers made overseas. I've had stickers printed locally, and it's the quality has always been hit or miss in, in relation to price, you know? Well, I want to say I finally feel like I found the source for affordable stickers without compromising on quality. Uh, the folks over at Sticker Ninja have been producing these awesome quality stickers. They're based out of Portland, and I've been using them for the past couple years for all of our stuff, and they are so nice. I love the matte finish. Uh, they stick to virtually everything. Um, they've been on my guitar case which goes with me on vacation so it travels it gets the wear and tear and the stickers are still holding up they're even folded around the case and they're still holding up uh, they're on my computer they're on my notebook like I don't know what that says about me but I think the stickers that I release are cool so I'm definitely gonna you know throw them on my stuff but I want to make sure that that they last long um, and boy they are uh, so I reached out to them and we were able to come up with a sweet discount code for the Pin Pal listeners. So if you use the discount code WP10 during checkout at StickerNinja.com, you will get 10% off your order. And that whatever you order, it could be the die cut stickers, it could be your classic square stickers, or maybe you want to get experimental with some of their transparent stickers, their glow-in-the-dark stickers, or their really awesome holographic stickers which i'm starting to use for my sticker club for warrior pins you can go over to warriorpins.com or the warrior pins instagram page to learn more about that but yes 10 percent off your order at stickerninja.com i get nothing in return this is just from the sweet graces of sticker ninja uh, they like what we're doing and they wanted to provide some value to you guys the listeners so uh Take advantage of that if you're in the market for some stickers, you know, personal, business, whatever, WP as in Warrior Pins, WP10 is the discount code to enter, I believe, during checkout, and then you'll see the discount reflected. So, StickerNinja.com, I promise I'll get better at these ad reads eventually. Straight up, I'll be honest with you guys, that was off the top of the dome, so... Uh, Hopefully things can only go up from here. Now let's wrap up this episode. 
If you enjoyed what Nice Pins is all about, definitely check out his Etsy page or give him a follow on Instagram. Tell Artem that Eric from Pin Pal sent you and maybe he'll hook it up with some extra goodies. As always, you can connect with me directly via Instagram at Pinpals Podcast or through the website www.pinpalspodcast.com or even by email thepinpalspodcast at gmail.com. I believe that's it. Guys, thank you again so much. I don't know how many times I can keep saying that, but I truly appreciate it. Remember, it's the little things in life, and I will see you guys next week for another episode. Peace.